0: Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast, we continue our coverage from the Greater Niagara Fishing and Outdoor Expo and we're with Vince Pierleoni from Thrill Seeker Sport Fishing. Vince, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, no problem.
0: Tell me about Thrill Seeker, tell me about yourself and, and what you do out on Lake Ontario.
1: Uh, I got started uh, in the charter fishing industry in 1984. Um, we're a full-time operation fishing Lake Ontario and the Niagara River. Uh, we also travel New York. And Canadian waters fish all the major tournaments, and uh, we're just we're just proud of what the Great Lakes have become, uh, particularly with the Chinook salmon fishery.
0: Yeah, you've been around for a while. You've seen a lot of different things come and go. What port are you out of? My home port is Alcott,
1: which is 18 miles east of the Niagara.
0: Okay, what's it like fishing out of Alcott? Well, the best way to describe it uh, is we have
1: uh, what's similar to the Gulf Stream. Uh, on the Atlantic off of Florida where the, the major current runs pretty tight to shore there. So we have consistent fishing pretty much all season.
0: Tell me about Lake Ontario. You've been on the lake since 84. How has it evolved over the last almost 40 years since you've been out there?
1: I have watched the angler effort go from uh, just hoping to catch something to targeting the first big population of lake trout so that they could move their rods readily to today where Chinook salmon is the major, major player and most of the effort is going into catching the Pacific salmon. We don't have a a huge population of coho, we'd like to see that change, but it's primarily Chinook salmon effort and uh, they definitely bring bring in the people, bring in help, you know, give us a good shot to the economy on the south shore of Lake Ontario.
0: And what's gone into that rise of the Chinook salmon on Lake Ontario? Uh, I think the biggest thing is
1: uh, twofold. Um, now that uh, now that they have the lois a little bit under control, there's still excessive numbers of them, regardless of what's been heard. Um, there's still an immense amount, billions and billions of lois out there, but they're not to the surplus where the uh, the fish are overly fat. So the fight of the fish is improved. Certainly, the audibility of the flesh has improved, and uh, the population of Chinooks are actually adapting. So we now have naturalized Chinooks that have spawned on their own, as well as supplemental stocking to help areas that don't get the natural reproduction.
0: Yeah, they say these days that about half the fish in the lake are, are naturally reproducing. How do you th- why do you think that is? How, how, why, what is it about Lake Ontario that has made this happen here for the Chinook?
1: Well, when they improved the base flows in the Salmon River, that really seemed to help. Uh, it didn't go through the crazy fluctuations, which I think left, left some of the beds high and dry at times. So that's, that's a big factor. Uh, habitat has definitely improved. Um, you know, our water quality is, is, is excellent. Uh, the tribs, you know, there's an effort constantly to improve those. But the problem on the western end is we have a lot of dams or i think we'd see even more now there are streams on the north shore in southern ontario that get natural reproduction also and they're just high quality streams that go for miles and miles
0: so tell me about some of the other fish that you're targeting out of alcott obviously the chinook is is the one that people are coming after but what else is going on out of alcott what are you guys uh, looking up with? very
1: popular brown trout uh, they're some of the biggest in the world are coming out of the Great Lakes, and Lake Ontario definitely has its share. Um, uh, Steelhead—they're uh, an incredible fish. If I know there's quite a bit of effort given steelhead in the tributaries, but unless you fought them in open water in 60-degree water, um, I don't think you've ever seen what they can do. So, uh, steelhead is definitely a backup player, and um, you know, like I said, the two the two Pacific salmon species. And then we also have lake trout, which is a, is a federal effort all through the Great Lakes to restore lake trout. So we have those as a backup plan also. Um, but uh, uh, those, are the, those are the major ones.
0: And, and where you're set up in Alcott, what are the seasonalities? When's kind of the best time to target these fish? Without a doubt,
1: the month of April is the best time to go after big trout. Uh, big, big lake trout are vulnerable. Um, they, they are in there, they seem to move ahead of the bait fish movements into the shallows and big brown trout also. Uh, we can have a, a good crop of coho, depending on the year, and then towards the end of the month of April, or early May, the, the king salmon start starts showing up when the, the deeper water starts warming up. Um, the steelhead for us doesn't get consistent until at least, at least late June and then is a, a major player in the summer if you want to go offshore water.
0: And how do you target those fish in the spring when you're going after those those browns and the the rainbow in the in the early part of the year? So in the early
1: part of the year, it's it's really about uh, water temperature. If you find the warmer bands of water with a little bit of color in them, uh, because super super clear water the fish are very skittish, and I believe also that the bait fish doesn't like to be in super clear water because they feel vulnerable. So you find that cocktail of colored water mixed with temperature and in and, and the spring that can only be one degree warmer than the surrounding water and it's going to hold fish but if you find something that's four or five degrees warmer because it's in a river mouth uh, it could be loaded with fish and that's one of the reasons why it's, it's a good time to go and then as the, as the deeper water starts warming up late spring that's when the Chinooks come out of the deep water haunt they're following the migration of the spawning yellow wives inshore but they are reluctant at that point in their life to go very shallow for very long. And we'll catch a couple in 10 foot of water, 20 foot of water, but for the most part, they're, they're outside of that. You know, they're a much more uh, skittish fish, but they're also looking for those bigger clouds of bait. So that's a game plan from uh, late spring right through the summer. And then in the summer, we gotta start keying on the migrations of the salmon, and at times, they can be found on current lines, offshore, temperature breaks, things like that that will hold fish day after day unless you get a big wind event.
0: When you're fishing that shallow water, how are you setting your gear when you're going after those trout? So the brown trout in
1: this early spring are usually in under 20 foot of water. So we run a lot of, uh, we run big boards at times, there's other times where we might utilize inline boards with uh, body baits, and then we're gonna run shell set downriggers with spoons and control our bait depth that way, even though we might be in less than 10 foot of water. Now, lake trout will visit that depth, but they're more readily caught in 40 to 200 foot of water in the spring. And uh, they could be only 30, 40 feet down, but they're in those depths, usually on a temperature break or a color change.
0: So when those temperature breaks and those thermoclines start setting up and you're going out there after the Chinook, what's a typical set for you look like? typical set late spring? Well as the season progresses that thermocline sets up and you're going after the Chinook, what does that look like for you? It's going to be uh,
1: three riggers, three riggers, uh, two to four divers, and then usually about three what we call junk lines which could be lead core or copper.
0: Mm-hmm. So what is what do you think that, that kind of the secret to getting these fish don't give away your big secret here but what's some tips that you can give people when they're out there targeting fish that you feel like are kind of a game changer for you
1: the biggest game changer is develop your own your own uh, approach and don't don't get knocked off that too easy uh... we're living in a time when there's just multitudes of information being piped in daily where it wasn't like that even thirty forty years ago so if you develop confidence in your approach uh, it's going to make you a better fisherman because uh, that's always going to be what you're going to lean on Um, but uh, i would say just attention to detail the the little stuff you know it's 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 a big deal um you know it it might be uh, it might be a particular trolling direction um where you're getting hit Left and right, but when you turn around, you're just not getting it going. Now that that could be, you're letting your speed waver, going back the other way. But it also could be that's the way the bait's moving that day, mm-hmm. and you're just not going to match those results. So if you start monkeying around with your set, you may end up catching almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Where you got, where you mm-hmm. learn to read the day for the type of bite it is. If it's a grind bite, you might be uh, good good to you know just to take those fish on the one direction
0: yeah how often do you switch gears when you're out there and you're seeing things and maybe not quite what you're looking for how do you switch gears if maybe you get out there and the bite isn't what you what you were looking for
1: in our case because we're on the water almost daily it's it's almost always location Um, and so you got to make a decision if you're just gonna troll in one direction till you find that pile or a pocket you were on uh, but if something dramatic occurred with a big upwelling or something like that, you may actually have to pick up and run to find the action that you had. Um, so it's, it's location usually for me, but you learn to read the day too. If you're having a lot of different uh, adverse um, weather situations going on, they could be getting less less aggressive, more negative, and then you may have to thin your set out, you know, respect the fact that they're probably spooky.
0: Mm -hmm. How how does wind affect the fishery in your area? Uh, Like a
1: lot of places in the Great Lakes, we like to see like a southwest wind. Uh, It usually brings positivity to everything, light west. Northwest can provide a tremendous bite at times. but what, what's usually adverse is strong northeast or east winds. Um, that's usually what will upset the tea kettle. And if it blows long enough, hard enough, especially in the late spring through fall, it's going to roll the lake right over, and you're going to have cold ice water. Wow, yeah. not a good situation.
0: <laughs> what's a, what's a day like out on the water with you, Vince?
1: Uh, we, we have a heck of a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's all about fun and busting chops with with the anglers. Um, You know, you can quickly read if they're that kind of guy or not. But I like to joke around that we're in the self-esteem business because uh, fishing buddies don't like to fail in front of their friends. So when they succeed, you know, we pump them up and uh, and tease them about it. But when they fail, it's usually the rest of their crew that's doing it for us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you don't have to do it. You've been doing this for a long time. What's your favorite part of being a charter captain? Oh, but without a doubt, uh, seeing the the,
1: the the happiness and the excitement in in the crew.
0: There's been uh, a lot of guys come and go since you've been doing this. Why have you been able to be successful when, when sometimes some people uh, have to fade away? I think
1: um, yeah, obviously you have to be smart uh, financially because we do have super boom times and we have real lean times, but also, uh, it has to be fun. I mean, if you're acting like it's digging ditches, that, that isn't fun for the crew either. So even on a day where it's a little slower, um, you know, you try to just keep an upbeat attitude and try to relate to the people, and, then, and you'd be surprised. They, I hear a lot that the were unsatisfied when they went on a different operation that didn't talk to them at all. Mm-hmm. You know, it might have even been a good bite, but they just had no interaction, so they like that. They sure. like
0: to hear stories. Yeah. Want to hear the guy that's been out on the water for a long time. Tell me a story. What's one of your favorite moments out on Lake Ontario?
1: Oh, boy, there's so many. Where do you start? Um, well, I'll start with a recent one. we were on our way coming back from the spring King of the Lake event in April in St. Catharines, Ontario. And at the time Lake Erie was icing out and it was all coming down the Niagara River. And there was a wall of of heavy ice. So what should have took what should have took forty five minutes to get back was taking was taking uh, hours because we had to make an enormous swing to avoid the heaviest ice. And the stuff we saw on that ice was uh, incredible. We saw patio sets. <laughs> Some of them were still upright. I mean, they just got lifted right off the deck they were on. I mean, that's part of the th- what we're dealing with now with the higher water. But, but that ice event, um, that, that was incredible. Awesome.
0: Vince, I know you've got a seminar coming up. I want to get you out of here, but really appreciate you coming on the show. Is there something you wanted to share that you didn't get a chance to? Uh,
1: I'd just like to uh, you know let the younger anglers know that you know you got to stay involved. Uh, there's, there's people out there that, that don't want to see Pacific Salmon in the Great Lakes and uh, you know you have to stay active with that because uh, in my opinion The fact that man introduced a a Pacific salmon to the Great Lakes is no different than a seagull that drops a fish over a farm pond and now they're in there. Um, There's nothing to be ashamed of. In fact, it's been nothing short of phenomenal success and turned what was a wasteland when I was a a young child into into just nothing but a a fantastic success story with a lot of life changing uh,
0: events for people. If people want to know more about you and about Thrill Seeker, how do they find you?
1: Website is www.teamthrillseeker.com, and we're on Facebook at Thrillseeker Sport Fishing.
0: Awesome. Vince Pierleoni. thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for doing what you do and helping people learn more about fishing. I think uh, people are going to look forward to hearing your seminar. Thank so you. appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast, presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.